Good morning. Great to be with you. We are in week 12. I went up and counted it up, Jay. We're in week 12 of the Sermon on the Mount. So we've been here a while. We've got two more weeks to finish it out. And, and as we're working this thing, it's important that we kind of take some time today to remind ourselves what Jesus has already said before we get into today, in today's scripture. Because remember, Jesus gave this sermon in one sitting. You've received it in tw- 14 which says something about maybe your capacity to comprehend. I don't know. But, or maybe our capacity to communicate it is probably closer to the truth. But it's important that we understand what the context is because it's in that context that that Jesus wraps up his teaching um, right here with these commands that he gives us. And then actually the last two weeks that we'll have in the Sermon on the Mount are no longer... Uh, admonitions to of how to live, but they're warnings if you don't follow what you've heard. So he starts off this thing by saying, basically, all of your understanding of how religion is works in, in your understanding of how it's all explained to you, that basically, if things are going good, your religion is working. That's first century understanding in uh, the Palestinian uh, community there, if it's, if it's going good, then I'm worshiping correctly. If it's going poorly, I'm missing it. And Jesus starts off the Sermon on the Mount by saying, no, here's who's blessed. The poor, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst, those who are persecuted. And right away, the people would be like, what? No, that, that doesn't make any sense. He says, well, let me, let me tell you what it's going to look like. When you begin to live with a trust in God, when things are going poorly for you, you will become this powerful agent of salt and light for the kingdom of God. And as you do that, you will fulfill the law. And the way it'll look is, you think that I, you shouldn't kill people. I say you shouldn't even get a- angry with them. You think that um, you shouldn't commit adultery. I say you shouldn't even have lust in your heart. That you, you shouldn't just say the truth. You should simply make, let your, don't make oaths. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. And then he kind of caps all of these outward expressions by saying, it's not eye for an eye. I want you to extend and to the point that you actually love your enemies. And he says, this is what it'll look like inside. This is how you'll talk with the Father. And he begins to introduce us as God the Father, not God, God. In fact, here's an interesting thing. God is referred to as Father about 15 times in all of the Old Testament scriptures. And a lot of those times that are there, it's God the Father of nations. Over 200 times in the New Testament, this teaching that Jesus gives begins to flip and God is called a good father, a loving father, a present father, an attentive father. He says, this is what it'll look like when you talk. This is how it'll look like when you store up treasures. Don't worry about stuff. I'm going to take care of you. Don't judge others. Get the plank. Remember the log Jay had? Get that Get that log out of your eye, which I thought, by the way, Jay standing in front of you with that goofy thing on his head, 
Let you know just how secure he is in Jesus. And then it says this. In light of all that stuff, if you're paying attention, what you should say is, too hard. That's too hard. How do you live like that? That's just too difficult, Jesus. How in the world could you expect that of us? And then he says this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, find, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, summation of everything that I've said in this message, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Let's pray together. God, there's many times when I think how hard it would have been to keep the law of the Old Testament and all of the requirements. And yet, in just a few short chapters, with a couple of short statements... You real, I realize that you want so much more than just outward appearance and behavior. That you didn't come for behavior modification, but you came for a transforming in our hearts of how we see others around us and how we see you. God, would you take your Jesus' words now and empower them in such a way that we would be changed the, those of us who say we love you, that we would be changed and that we would learn to wrestle with the life that you have for us and to openly ask, seek and knock. Use this time for that end in Jesus' name. Amen. So he says to us, this is really a difficult teaching. And so ask, seek, knock, and I'll be involved in this process. Now, let me take you through a little bit of what he says we should do and then talk about it a little bit. First, he says ask. And the word here is, an inf it's, it actually mostly refers to an inferior seeking to, from a superior. An inferior seeking from a superior. So it would, it would be like a child asking a parent. It would be like a beggar asking someone with resources. It would be like an adult speaking to God. That's where we find this. But it's interesting in that it, doesn't just, it just doesn't say ask. It actually is in the present active imperative form, which means it could be translated ask and keep asking. It's something that happens and then continues to happen over and over. And it's, it's the same form for ask, seek, and knock. Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. And if you do that, you will first receive, take unto yourself, 
to collect. Um, and that it matters. That this process that we're commanded to matters. And there's a tendency for us right away. These words, we, there's a danger in the room. And there's a danger in our theater. There's a danger online. And it's the same danger I experienced. Uh, yeah. Sure. And you're either going to say, doesn't work, I've tried it. Or you're going to begin to cast some doubt on it. Why would God be so serious about us praying if it didn't matter? And there are some of us in the room who believe it doesn't matter. He's going to do what he's going to do. Dallas Willard spoke to this this way. He said, God's response to our prayers is not a charade. He does not pretend that he is answering our prayer when he is only doing what he was going to do anyway. Our requests really do make a difference in what God does or does not do. The idea that everything would happen exactly as it does, regardless of whether we pray or not, is a specter. And that word for specter really means a thought that's widely feared. I had to look that up because all I could think about was specter was a 007 movie. <laughs> right? It's a thought that's widely feared. So that prayer is a thought that's widely feared. That haunts the minds of many who sincerely profess belief in God. It makes, a, it makes prayer psychologically impossible. Replacing it with dead ritual at best. And of course, God does not respond to dead ritual. You wouldn't either. That it really does matter that Jesus is asking something of us and that we have kind of those especially. And the longer you've been a Christian, the more this is a danger for you. God's going to do what he's going to do. Jesus bless us. It's just very, you, you've lost the motivation to pray for specific things. And here it's saying, ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. And each one kind of gets a little more intense. You can ask without moving, but you seek. Now you've got a little more intensity. Now knocking, you're banging on something. Sky uh, Jeffany said this, we are not merely passive set pieces in a prearranged cosmic drama, but we are active participants with God in the writing, directing, designing, and action that unfolds. Prayer, therefore, is much more than asking God for this or that outcome. It is drawing into communion with him and there taking up our privileged role. As his people, in prayer, we are invited to join him in directing the course of the world. Ask, seek, and knock, and keep on doing it because it matters. The promise is you will find, it will be open. Simple prayer, Richard Foster said, simple prayer involves ordinary people being, bringing ordinary concerns to a loving and compassionate father. What loving father doesn't love his kids to come and talk to him about what's going on? And to get this, 
You're going to have to get this analogy, and I'll talk about that in just a little bit. One more quote from Dallas Willard. Talking to God about what we are doing together is how he defines prayer. Remember, the context is I just gave you a life that's really hard to live. And so let me help you. Ask, seek, knock. But is this really true? Does this really work? This past uh, two weeks ago, I watched a good father interact with his son. And I watched him as he spent the day in some really great, unique events, quality time, fun and laughter, and great cost, by the way, to the father. And we together were riding in the same car and on our way to a place where we were going to spend a night after a day from early to late has been filled with nothing but action. And the young people in the car are still energized and Dana and I are saying, get us home. <laughs> this son is captured by a big bulletin board that we pass. And the bulletin board said, Mario Andretti, go-kart races. And the son immediately began to entreat of the father that they might cap off a beautiful day with opportunities to race go-karts. Now, Mimi and I were having none of it, but this father got on his phone and made some inquiries about age limits and restrictions and costs. And he found out that for the, the small sum of $200, that our group could race for seven minutes. And so the father, in a very kind way, said, it's not going to work, son. And the rest of the evening, the son took that present active imperative tense and continued to seek if he might still change the father's mind in any way. He could not, he could not fathom that the very best thing that could ever happen in his life was for him to place that helmet on his head and race at speeds once unthinkable. But there was information he just could not process. There was calculations he simply could not make. But he wanted what he wanted. And he wanted it now, the next day he was fine. He didn't remember Mario's last name. 
He's not a bad son. In fact, he's a very good son. He simply is in, a, in trying to figure out what it looks like to live in an adult world with childlike responses. He's learning. He no longer begs for the largest gummy bear you've ever seen, you know, bigger than your hand. But it's hard to learn such things. It's difficult. Because you don't have all of the information that you need in order to make a good decision. Now, all of you understand this. All of you are probably thinking back of children in your life that have made requests that possibly you've had to say no to. And you knew that no was the right answer. So how do we handle no's? Because here's the deal. I've asked, and I'm still asking. I've sought, and I'm still seeking. I have requests in my life that I believe align with the will of the Father that have not happened yet. Some of them are many, many years long. Anybody giving me an amen here? Some of y'all are carrying the same kinds of things. Well, then what do you do with this? It says if we ask, we'll get it. How do you work through a no? Well, it's interesting that Jesus, in order to explain this whole process of asking, gives a simple illustration of a good father. And so, in light of that, here's what I would say the scriptures teach us. First, there is a motive check that goes on. James tells us in James chapter 4, when we ask, we do not receive because you, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. Now, I know some of y'all are like, I knew there was a catch. And there is. There is a catch. And this catch is this. There's a loving father paying attention to your life. And his goal in your life is to form Jesus in you, that you might be salt and light. And because of that, he does not raise brats. And if you act and seek and knock and ask, all of those things, and they're just simply things so you can just spend them on you. That's going to be a no, folks. Let me help you with it. Now, I've sat with this message for a while, and I had to admit while a lot of my prayer looks exactly like James 4. Just stuff that I want to spend on me. Different zip codes, bigger houses, electric cars. Sharper knives. Techier phones. Bigger television. It's quite embarrassing. And so you can know that there is a good father. 
And if you will just in your request understand that he will act like a good, un, good father, then a lot of the requests that you have that you're going like, well, that prayer doesn't work. Well, it didn't work because it was selfish. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was asked with the wrong motives. With me? Now, thank you, my man. Now, there's some that have nothing to do with that. Actually, as I looked at some of the most, most important prayer requests that remain unanswered in my life, I don't think are selfish. So what's up with that? Well, here's what I'm learning. Learning. The first one is, is that God has a better day. It's, it's just not the right time. And those of you who have walked with Jesus for a while realize that you asked for something at some point, but had you gotten it then, it really wouldn't have worked out. But now you're getting it, and it's the perfect time. I mean, the example is my wife. Had she come earlier, there was no opportunity really for relationship. I was not the kind of guy she would have been interested in. I just wasn't. To her credit and to my sorrow. And there's things in your life that God is just saying, he's not saying no. What's he saying? Not yet. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. But not yet. He knows the under, and understands the the whole breadth of the, how the timing will work out best. Well, I haven't got that job yet. Not yet, maybe. I haven't gotten that new house yet. Well, maybe not yet. I don't know. I haven't met a spouse yet. Not yet. God has a better day. And then there's a third. And is that God has a better way. And here's the answer. No. Go-karts are great. But no. In the amount of time we have and the amount of resources we're going to expend on this time away, no, it's a no. It's a firm no. Now, nobody likes hearing no. Small children and large children. Nobody likes hearing no. But here's the deal. Given all the information that you have, you request it. But given all the information you do not have, it would be bad for you to get it. You're going to have to come to this point where you say, you know what, I think God has more information than me. God knows things I don't know. And he's a good, loving father. And because he says no, it doesn't make him anything less than a good, loving father. Sometimes loving, good fathers have information you don't have. Are you with me on this? Because your prayer life is hindered because you've not believed in the goodness of God. And you've not allowed him to be a good father. You've turned him into a Santa Claus. I made my list. I've been nice. Now give me. 
Now, I know that's crass and crude, and no one would ever say anything like that out loud, but as I evaluate my prayers, they, a lot of them sound just like that. Which of you, if a son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? No, if you who are evil, and the idea is fallen, limited, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more? The goodness of God is one of the attributes of God, as well as a description of his very essence God, by nature, is inerrantly good. Psalm 107, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is, for he is, how great, Psalm 31, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast stored up for those who fear you. One of my favorite quotes about the goodness of God is A.W. Tozer, where he says, The goodness of God is that which disposes him to be kind, cordial, benevolent, and full of goodwill toward all men and women. He is tenderhearted and of quick sympathy, and his unfailing attitude toward all moral beings is open, frank, and friendly. By his nature, he is inclined to bestow blessedness and he takes holy pleasure in the happiness of his people. Holy pleasure in your happiness. That God is good is taught or implied on every page of the Bible and must be received as an article of faith as impregnable as, impregnable as the throne of God. It is a foundation stone for all sound thoughts about God and is necessary for moral sanity. When I pray, I come as a completely accepted, fully loved, cherished son or daughter of a good and loving Heavenly Father who loves to hear my voice and delights to give me good gifts. If this is not the air you breathe, you've got work to do. And all of the teachings of Matthews chapter 5 and 6 will seem like drudgery will seem like a harsh task that God has laid on you. But if you can see that there is a good father behind it, and don't over-spiritualize it. Just think about what a good father does that in your own experience. Now, I know some of you are bankrupt in this category, as am I. I have zero memories of my father ever doing one good thing for me, ever. Never told me he loved me, never hugged me. 
Never. Zero. Lived with me 11 years and I've got zero examples. But God has renewed my understanding of what a father does by my own experience as a father, by my observation as you, as you interact as father and mother, and by the teachings of the scriptures. You can learn this, and it will change you. Jesus wraps up this teaching in a very strange way. And it, it just had me confused. The, the, the last of it, it says, so in everything, so in everything, connector. So all that I've talked about, not just in ask, seek, and knock, but in all that I've said about who's blessed and how to have your relationships and how to be um, salt and light in this world, in everything, it's almost like this wonderful wrap-up. Don't you wish... Our wrap-ups were this quick. It's okay. It's not going to be. But So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Now, I couldn't figure out, why did you put that there, Jesus? Why there? And I think it's a summation of these admonitions of Jesus on how we are to behave and interact with the world around us. Because what happens next, beginning next week with Jay and the following week with me, what will happen is warnings about how this works if you ignore it. And so I think the context of this is that he just wants to wrap it all up for you. you want to, are you confused? Well, let me make it simple for you. Treat others the way you want to be treated. That, that kind of sums up the whole thing. Now, that may not be why he put it there. I don't know. That's Clifford's best guess. Today, we sang about God's holiness, his otherness, his greatness. But this goodness that God has for us is the air we breathe, folks. It's the air we breathe. Jesus announces his news to the world and he calls it good. When creation rolled off the tongue of God, he declared over and over, it's good. Jesus instructed his disciples to go and tell people of his teachings. He said, go and tell them the good news. When I drove in this morning with an extra hour of sleep. It was good. And the sun was higher than it normally was at the time I drove in. And green and blue sky go perfect together. And the green of our mountains on one side of us. And the blue sky this morning. You don't have to look far to understand. God is so good. He is so good. One more A.W. Tozer quote, the whole outlook of mankind might be changed if we could all believe that we dwell under a friendly sky and that the God of heaven, though exalted 
in power and majesty is eager to be friends with you. And the proof of this, the proof of that goodness is Jesus. God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were enemies, while we were at our worst, Christ came and died for us. He is the proof that he's not sitting somewhere just letting things unfold, but that he came down and entered into time and space and not just entered into it and then lived above it, but entered into it and suffered that he might understand our own sufferings. And in that shows, it's the proof of his goodness. You, know, you don't need to look any further than right there. And Jesus is also the guarantee of God's goodness in the future. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also freely give us all things? If he did that, then you're asking for a promotion or for a spouse or for a different zip code or for peace in your family or for a Thanksgiving coming up that just would have some harmony. How would he not also, if he would give you the, the very life of his son, will he not also give you that? Now, you may not get all those things I mentioned. There might be some motives that need to be corrected. There might be a better time when it would be answered. And it might just be that you're not going to get that. Not all the things we seek are the best things for us. But if prayer really does matter, and the scriptures tell us it does, and the future is actually influenced by the words you pray, And the proof of that goodness, the proof of, of that motivation to be able to talk to God is, the, is that God is good and he's proven it. Jesus Christ came and died for us. There was a time when I did not believe that God was good. A short time in my life when things had unfolded in such a way that it was hard for me to embrace his goodness. But by his grace, rather than turning away from him, I turned to him in anger. And I screamed at him. And I deserve to be struck down. But instead he met me in ways I can't even begin to tell you. And found me through friends, through some of y'all. I don't know. I don't know what kind of father you had. I don't know what kind of 
things you're hung up on. I don't know what kinds of stuff you seek and pray and ask for and it's not happening. I don't know. But I know this. God does. He hears you. And his goodness towards you is better than you could ever imagine. If you've, if you've not gotten it yet, it's just because there's some reasons, some really good reasons why you don't. You're asking to go go-kart racing at 11 o'clock at night when all, I've got better things for you, man. I've got better things for you. And he's proven it in Jesus. If you're here, if you're here and you've never embraced the offer of Jesus Christ, his offer is quite amazingly bold and quite audacious. If you will believe in him and his work on the cross as payment for your sins, you will live forever. He will come in and abide with you and call you friend. He will open up the resources of heaven. And turn you into the kind of person you've longed to be. Say yes. If you've never said yes, say yes. I know it seems like God didn't be good to you. But in fact, his goodness is all around you. You just haven't even seen it. Don't be like that little son sitting in the back seat of a car. Crying because he didn't get his way. God knows better than you. And he's shown you his love in Jesus. Say yes. And then together, let's, play, let's pray like crazy. Let's just bring it all. If he's a good father, he's going to sort it out. Well, I don't know. I might be asking for something. Don't worry about it. If it's bad, he ain't going to give it to you. Let's just pray like crazy that we can become the kinds of people that Jesus asks us to be. Good, loving Father, you have demonstrated your goodness in so many ways. But in Jesus, we see it to the full. If there are any here who have not said yes to you, may they say to you, that to you now. May they say, God, I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on. I'm just here. I feel you calling me to you, and I want to say yes. I say yes to whatever that is. I don't know, but I say yes. I believe that Jesus died. I believe that he rose again. I want to be his kid. I want to be his friend. And then those in the room who have shied away from prayer, the continual no's that they've received have just convinced them that it doesn't matter. Would you awaken them a fresh spirit of, of confession and, and admission to where they've been and then just a, a drawing to you in prayer? That you might change our city you might influence the elections. You might, you might change this church. You might do stuff in us that we've never imagined as we, we ask you for those things. 
Most of all, God, we are thankful for the guarantee in Jesus of the future provision that nothing can separate us and that you're not looking down with condemnation towards anyone now. Thank you. Help us to live in a way where we do to others the way we want others to do to us and look more and more like Jesus on the way. We ask it in his strong name and for his sake.